Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 19th, 2023. It is currently, I was going to wait, 12.59 p.m. Central Time. I was going to wait for it to say 1 p.m., but I, I couldn't delay it any longer. So good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, January the 19th, 2023. Now I can say it. It is 1 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, we have spent probably close to 60 hours studying the proper distinction between law and gospel. If you'll look up our series, Understanding Law and Gospel, you can figure out exactly how many hours all of those episodes represent, but I I can pretty sure, I think I can be dogmatic and say it represents easily over 60 hours of teaching And we are a long, long, long way from being finished, all right? We have been talking about everything related to law and gospel. I I don't like to hype up a series, so I'm not going to say it's going to be life-changing. I'm not going to say it's going to be life-altering. I'm not going to say, you know, it's going to completely revolutionize your Christian life. I'm not going to do any of that, but I will stand by this. I think it's the, the most important series that I have ever done. Because I believe one of the greatest needs right now in the church, and I know nobody else will say this, I believe one of the greatest needs in the church in 2023, it was true in 2022, it's been true, I think, for the last 20 years, is for Christians to understand law and gospel and the proper distinction between these two. Because I think what's, I think Christianity has so merged law and gospel together that it has literally destroyed the gospel from being a biblical gospel to almost another gospel, which isn't another. I, I, I'm I pretty close to saying that what you get in many churches is not even a gospel. It's a false gospel because it's a merging of law and gospel, turning the gospel basically into another version of law. I mean, I'm really, 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 really bothered uh, by what we are seeing. So we have been working on this series for a long time. If you if you if you look in our series Understanding Law and Gospel and again our our our, our podcast episodes are heard all over the internet. The best way to be able to keep up with our series and to look at everything is to download the Church One app. That's Church O N E Church O N E. Once you download the app, do a search for Theology Central. Choose us as your selected broadcaster, and guess what? Basically becomes the Theology Central app, and then all of our content is broken down into individual series, so it's easy to find, and you'll get notifications every time we upload a new sermon and every time we go live. So I still will continue to challenge, beg, plead people to download that app, because I still think it's the best way to keep up with all of our content. But if you'll go to the Understanding Law and Gospel series, you may have to scroll down a little ways, but you'll find an, uh, an episode called Law and Gospel PDF, and there's a PDF file attached, and it gives you, I think, the 25 thesis that we have on understanding law and gospel. Now, we are using a book called God's No and God's Yes, The Proper Distinction between law and gospel. And we have been utilizing this, and I would challenge people to try to get a copy. This is kind of the um, condensed 
version, right? The I think the original version is like 500 pages or something. This is a, a condensed version that we're using. And what we're doing is we're kind of just, we're, we're kind of letting, we're, we're kind of reading each thesis and, and we're going through their their description and their, their teaching of it, but we're really turning it and transforming it into our own. And uh, I hope you will uh, appreciate how we have approached it. But I mention all of that because, well, this is not the typical setting where we do most of our teaching for understanding law and gospel. If you've been listening, most of it's happening at the church uh, while I'm standing behind the pulpit in front of people. But there are times to ad- continue to add to the series, to supplement what we're doing. I like to turn on the microphone here in the studio, either to review a sermon, review a podcast episode, or just to talk about something that I think is re- relates very much to the subject. So uh, last night, I was listening to a sermon that someone sent me, and somewhere, and, and basically it was the introduction sermon for a church that's going to be spending about a year and a half studying the Gospel of John. And I'm like, okay, this looks interesting. Maybe I'll just keep up with this church and listen to all of the sermons for the next year and a half, because, I mean, it can't hurt to hear more preaching on the Gospel of John. I've pre- It took us four years to go through the Gospel of John, but I thought, okay, maybe I will do that. So I started listening, and I listen, I definitely understand that from the preacher's perspective, he probably would not even realize that this even relates to the subject of law and gospel. And maybe you don't even think it relates to the subject of law and gospel. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, oh, oh. That I wonder if we look at this from a law and gospel perspective, if we, if we would offer different advice. So let me pose the question. We'll listen to this clip. It's not very long, maybe three, four minutes long. And then, and we'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll put forth kind of my own hypothesis and my own thesis. All right. So I want you to think about this. If you were to view a Bible reading plan through the lens of a proper distinction between law and gospel, right? You're like, okay, law, that tells us what to do. Gospel, that tells us what God has done for us. I mean, that's a very simple way of explaining the differences. But law tells us, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Anytime you open your Bible and you're told to do something, that's law. Anytime you read in the Bible what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, that is gospel. Now, now not only do we have to know the difference between these two, there's really a proper order in dealing with law and gospel. So if we consider that and consider this difference and considering a possible proper order, here's the question. What, if you're looking at Christianity from a proper distinction between law and gospel and someone says, okay, I want to read my Bible, where should I start? Where would you tell them to start? Where would a law and gospel perspective tell someone to start in reading their Bible? Now, I know what many Christians would say. Many Christians would say, you need to start with, and I'm not going to say it, but I think maybe a law and gospel perspective would be like, no, you don't start there. You have to start here. This is where you must start. You may not think it's a big deal, and it may not be a big deal, but I thought I would at least throw this out there to spark a conversation because I love sparking conversation. All right, someone has already answered the question, but let's listen to this and see what suggestion we were given in this sermon. Now, I think you're already, it's probably a dead giveaway, right? 
It's the introduction sermon for a year and a half series on the Gospel of John. So I think you have a pretty good idea where they're going to tell you you need to start your Bible reading, okay? All right, but here we go. Let's listen to this, and then we will come back. And I will offer my reasoning. I will offer my reasoning. Um, because I'm not just going to say, well, because law and gospel, you, I, I'm going to give a, a, a reason that I hope will make sense. Maybe it won't, but we will see. All right, here we go. This is what I listened to last night. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I would say I would offer a different plan. And the reason I would is because of law and gospel. Here we go. Let's listen. And so let me just remind you that there are 66 books in the Bible. And as you just look at the different books of the Bible there on the screen, you can also see that in the New Testament, the first four books are called the gospel books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the books centered on the person and life of Jesus. And really, these four books are the centerpiece of the entire Bible, And so I tell people who are just maybe reading the Bible for the first time, don't start from the beginning of the Bible and try to read it through like you would a typical book. You start in the center and with the focus on Jesus, you start on the Gospels. I always tell people, if you're going to start reading the Bible, begin with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, it's also important. Now, he doesn't really explain why, but did you hear that? Start with the Gospels. Start with the focus on Jesus. Now, that sounds so good. I want to make sure I, you understand. It sounds so good. And there would have been a time in my Christian life, I would have been like, amen. Start with the gospel. Start with Jesus. Understand Jesus. But I'm going to at least throw out a hypothesis. You may disagree, but I'm going to throw out a hypothesis here. I think sometimes the problem is that Jesus is offered up as a solution to everything other than what Jesus came to save us from. Jesus is there to make us a better husband, to make us a better wife, to make us a better employee, to make us a better citizen. Jesus is there to give us purpose. Jesus is there to give us contentment and happiness and joy. Jesus is the solution to so many things because I think in many cases we start with Jesus. And if you just start with Jesus, well, then what is Jesus there to to solve? What is Jesus there to fix? What did Jesus come to do? Well, I believe the biblical answer is Jesus came to save us from our sins. So if I'm going to tell someone to focus on Jesus, well, the thing that will make them focus on Jesus, the thing that is designed to bring them to Jesus is something called the law. The law shows us ourselves and it shows us that we are condemned and we are sinners. And it brings us to the end of ourselves because you read the law and it's like, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this. This is wrong. This is sinful. This is wrong. This is wrong. And at some point, if you read the law and you're even remotely honest with yourself, you'll be like, man, I, I am a mess. I deserve judgment. I deserve snakes to come in and bite me. I deserve the earth to open up and I fall in. I deserve the I deserve judgment, condemnation, wrath, fire, judgment, hell, brimstone. That's what I deserve. So what is my hope? What is my hope? Well, the hope is if you read the Bible, if you read the law or we if we read the Old Testament, we over and over and over see sin and we, we well state it this way. Over and over and over, we see God 
We see God's holy standard. We see people failing that standard, people being judged for their failure. And over and over, we see this uh, same process. Here's God. Here's a standard. People don't meet that standard. They may they face judgment over and over and over. Whether it's an individual, whether it is a nation, it is constant. Here's God's standard, and we constantly see people fail. Even those people that we think are the heroes of the faith. What do we read about them in the Old Testament? They fail. They fall short. We see God's standard. And we see man's failure, God's standard, man's failure, God. And, and at some point you're like, oh, well, what's the answer here? Because trying harder doesn't seem to be work. Getting more law doesn't seem to work. Understanding the law doesn't seem to work. What's the answer? And then you open up to the New Testament and you find out that they're going to call his name Jesus because he had come to save his people from their sins. So I think a proper reading plan is to start with the law, to start with the Old Testament, because you're confronted with the existence of God and that this God gives rules. He gives laws. He has standards. And when people don't meet those standards, there is judgment. And somewhere in the reading of the Old Testament, you have to come to a point going, well, I'm condemned. So then, finally, when you open up and hear that Jesus is going to save his people from their sins, you're like, okay, there's finally some hope. Finally, there's some light at the end of this very dark tunnel that's been filled with nothing but condemnation and judgment and basically a curse. Now there's some kind of hope, and it's Jesus Christ. I think I think from a law and gospel perspective, this just, and again, I know this is not the biggest deal in the world. Please understand this. I'm not condemning someone who says, start with, I, you're misunderstanding. I'm saying just from a, that this serves as a good illustration of how it is supposed to work. We are supposed to constantly be confronted with law first, which drives us to Jesus Christ. Now, once we've come to Jesus Christ, and if we and when we sin and if we're broken in our sin we need the gospel we don't need the law again all right we need to be given the gospel now if we're not broken over our sin we need to be given the law but it, this is it's just very important that i think we see this because in a kind of a an a symbolic way i think the church today always says start with jesus focus on jesus start with jesus and i think because we have reduced jesus to a solution to a savior, to save us from everything other than sin, to save us from everything other than the condemnation that comes from the law. Jesus is your friend. Jesus is there to, 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 to be your, your, your comforter, to be your helper, to be your, to, to give you purpose, to give you meaning. He's, he's there to save you from every, every bad thing that could happen in your life. And, and yes, we sometimes will give lip service that he's there to save us from our sins, but it always seems so secondary to all of these other things. If someone, I, I, I really believe people have to be crushed by, and this comes from the book, God's Knowing God's Yes. I think people have to feel the weight and to be crushed under the sternness of the law before the gospel and before Jesus truly becomes sweet, becomes precious, becomes a treasure that we can't, we, we will do anything to find. It becomes the, the, the water that we need to drink to find refreshment. It becomes the food to help us because we're starving. We have to realize that we, that we are broken and condemned, that we are beggars, 
that we are helpless, that we are hopeless. And then when the gospel is given, when we finally read of Jesus, then we we, we can understand it. Now, I'm again, I know I, I, someone may ask, are you saying if someone starts in the gospel, they get it all wrong? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I just think it's very illustrative. It's, it's very symbolic of where I believe the church. It's really weird. The, the If you think about how it's supposed to work, we're supposed to start with law, crushed under it, then given the gospel. Somehow in the modern church, it's almost like start with Jesus, accept Jesus, believe in Jesus, get Jesus, be, love Jesus. Like we, we get all, it's all about Jesus, but we almost are handed the law after, right? It's almost like, okay, you believe in Jesus. Now, if you don't do this and do this and do this and this, you're probably not saved. It's almost like we don't give the law first to get to the gospel. We we get to the gospel and then give them the law saying, if you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do this, you probably were never saved. Almost now making, it's like, it's the law supposed to come first and gives give, give us to the relief that comes from the gospel. Now we kind of give people the gospel and then crush them under the law saying, well, you're probably not saved. You're probably not saved. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. Now, I do understand. I do understand that after salvation, we are to be told what God calls us to do. We are to be given God's standard. I understand that. But we have to be given that standard in a way that we understand that one, it does not determine our salvation. Two, we're going to fall short of it. And three, our only hope ultimately is that Christ accomplished it all for us. So I know it's not the biggest deal. I know it because someone's going to email me, really? You're making a big deal that he told people to start and you're missing the point. I just thought it was, it just made me think of how I think sometimes within the church, we get the order wrong. And when we get the order wrong, I think it really messes up our understanding of the gospel. Or I think we actually don't see the sweetness of it. We don't see the importance of it. Jesus just kind of becomes a friend, right? Uh, he just be, kind of becomes a friend. He just becomes our companion. He, uh, I mean, well, depending on some modern praise songs, he, he almost, I don't know if he's a friend or a lover, but he, he becomes less than, well, the Savior who came to save me because I am crushed and condemned by the law of God. And I, and I, and I know it's simply, uh, this, this pastor probably meant nothing by that. Probably, I don't even know if they even understand the proper distinction between law and gospel. And I'm not picking on it. I'm not trying to, to judge it. I'm just, it just made me think, what, how would I approach it now? And I would approach it. You need the law. You need to see there's a God and he has a standard. And I need you to, I need you to discover how far short you fall of it and fall of, fall from it and fall up, fall to it and be crushed by it. And once you're crushed by it, then I want you to read about Jesus and how he came to save. Now, trust me, there's plenty of law in, uh, in <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's plenty of law. I mean, Matthew, as soon as Jesus starts preaching, right? I mean, as soon as you get to the Sermon on the Mount, that's law, 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 law. Because basically Jesus, in a sense, takes the law of Moses and then expounds it and shows us the true spiritual 
demands of it. And so by the time you get done with the Sermon on the Mount, you've already been crushed. So if someone started with Matthew, technically they're still going to get the law basically first before they get the sweet, they're going to get the sternness of the, they're going to get the sternness of the law before they get the sweetness of the gospel because Jesus crushes us with the Sermon on the Mount. He utterly destroys us. He annihilates us. He, he takes away all hope. He, he literally just like, I still don't know how churches teach the Sermon on the Mount like, hey, we're studying the Sermon on the Mount, and it's going to be wonderful, and we can all do this. No, it's like, no, we can't. So even if you start in Matthew, you're still going to get law first. But I just think it's, of course, his idea was we start with the Gospels because we can focus on Jesus. He obviously wasn't thinking, well, we start in Matthew, we focus on law. I don't even know if he would... I, 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 there's a possibility because most churches do this today is that the Sermon on the Mount is like, you know, here's your instructions. This is what you're supposed to do. No, those are the law that condemns us because no one can do it. No one will do it. And the only person to ever obey it is the one who preached it. So we're all condemned by it, but most people don't approach it that way. But I, I just think that starting with the Old Testament, we are confronted with the reality of God, in the beginning, God, we, we're immediately confronted with the reality of God, and we're immediately confronted that God has a standard, do this, don't do this, and immediately we see people's failure of that standard, and then we see judgment. Here's God's standard, people don't meet it, judgment. Ju I mean, you see it over and over, judgment, 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 failure, failure, judgment, judgment. That makes us ready. That, that is, that's what it's designed to be there for, to break me so that I will run as fast as I can to the gospel, that I will cherish it, that I will love it, that I will desire it because I know how bad of shape I'm in. I will know that I'm a beggar. I will know that I'm starving. I know that I'm thirsty because all I can receive from God is condemnation. But in Christ Jesus, there's mercy, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there is imputed righteousness, there is salvation, there is therefore now no condemnation, there is peace, there is rest, there is assurance. So you're saying, well, if I, I just, I started reading the Bible this year and I started in the Gospels. That's okay. That's fine. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. I just want you to understand symbolically, this just kind of tells me or just it demonstrates to me what I think is a major problem. Though in many cases, churches offer Jesus as a solution to everything other than saving us from our sins. Oh, the sins will be mentioned. Saving us from our sins is mentioned, but it's subtle. It's subtle. Okay, that's an important word if you've been participating in our study on discernment. It's subtle, but it's just a it's a it slowly turns our attention from where it's supposed to be to basically transforming Jesus into saving us from everything other than what he came to save us from which is God's wrath and since Jesus came to save us from God right Jesus came to save us from God our 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 what we're in trouble we're in trouble with God the father we're condemned we're his enemy Jesus came to save us for God, to satisfy God's wrath, to satisfy God's law, to satisfy God's demand on our behalf. When we read the Bible, if we start with the Old Testament, we see that law, we see that wrath, and we are condemned. Now, 
even when we get to Matthew, we're still confronted with law first, which I think is fascinating, right? We're still confronted with law first, because I think that's always the order. Law first, gospel second. That, I think that's the way it's supposed to be. And this was just a little, just a little segment just made me think of this. So I thought I would at least share it so that, and, and here's the application. I'm not saying you need to apply this to the Bible reading plan, but you need to apply this to how Christianity should be presented. Law to condemn, gospel to bring relief, comfort, salvation. All right. Now, the only time is when if someone's already crushed by the law, if someone already understands the law and understands their guilt, we don't need to give them any more law. We need to them immediately give them the medicine of the God immediately like a, a battlefield medic. Immediately when we see the person down and they're broken and they're hurt, we need to come running to them with the gospel, not the law, not 15 steps on how to be a better person. We talked about this last night. They need the gospel. They need the rest, the peace, and the assurance that comes from the gospel. Now, if we're still, if someone's living blatantly in their sin and, they're, and they don't care and they no, don't feel guilty, then they don't get any gospel. They need to receive the law and its full sternness. Once the brokenness occurs, the gospel and its full sweetness. There you go. I just wanted to turn on the microphone to share that. I, did, that. I just wanted to share that today. I just wanted to add that to the discussion. Again, I, I, don't, I don't want you to misunderstand. It's not necessarily about the reading plan. It's about the reading plan to me is symbolic of where I think the church sometimes offers Jesus as a solution to everything other than what he's there to save us from. And then once someone comes to Jesus, then immediately we act like he didn't really save us from our sins because then it's like, well, if you if you do this and you do this and you do this, you were never saved. Well, if that proves that I'm never saved, then Jesus didn't save me from my sins because you're pointing out the things that I have done wrong and I've sinned. Did Jesus save me from my sins or not? Or did Jesus save me from my sins? However, it's conditional on if I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G according to a certain standard or pass a certain test. Well, immediately I've destroyed the gospel. Either Jesus died for my sins, saved me from my sins, and imputed his righteousness, or he just says, well, you can be forgiven, but it's going to really be determined on how much you do and don't do, and if you do the right thing and think that, no, that's, I'm saved by grace alone through faith alone because of Christ alone. So in some ways, we still kind of mess up the order. I think there's still a, a lot of the order gets messed up within Christianity. So if you were to disciple someone, first, if you were to evangelize someone, they need to understand there is a God, here is his law, he is holy, and we fall short of it. We always have to start with the law, right? If you're discipling someone, what do they need? They need to understand there is a God, he is holy, here is a standard, we fall short of that standard. Then once they understand that, then we, we give them the gospel. We have to understand these two concepts properly or Christianity begins to crumble, fall apart. And I think the end result is whenever we confuse law and gospel, we go back to the Roman Catholic Church. We just return to Rome. 
Now, we may not return to Rome in name. We still may have a name up there, Bible church. We may call it a community church. We may call it a Baptist church. But in so many cases, we may call it a reformed church. But in so many cases, there's a blurring of law and gospel to such a degree that we are just basically a Roman Catholic church without acknowledging that we're Roman Catholic or without submitting to the magisterium or to the Pope. But we're really teaching and returning to a form of Roman Catholicism. So do you have a proper understanding of law? And a proper understanding of law will give you a greater appreciation for the gospel. All right. Just thought I would throw this out there today. There you go. You can email me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Now I hope no one misunderstands what I was trying to do, but I hope I hope so. Everyone's going to focus on, you're going after reading plans. No, I'm going after the deeper issue behind it is where we're like, let's focus on Jesus, but not the law. Therefore, we transform Jesus into a savior, but he's saving us from everything other than our guilt because of the law. And he came to save people from their sins. So I think we just, there's a, it's symbolic of a bigger problem. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I'm very excited because we had no internet problems in the making of this episode, which means I may try to go, I may just start going crazy and see how many I can get done. We will see. We will see how the rest of the day goes. But at least we have one in. We got one episode done today, and now we'll we'll see what other things we have to do. We, there's lots of other things we want to do, but uh, there you go. Something to think about, something to talk about as you, uh, well, hopefully keep your focus on the things of God today. And uh, just most, most importantly, remember your hope, your salvation, your rest, your comfort is not found in what you will do, can do, should do. It's found in what Christ completely accomplished in his work upon the cross and his imputing his righteousness to you by faith. Thanks for listening. God bless.